Welcome everybody. My name is Richard C. Wilson and we have with me here today Kristen Luck from Scalehouse. Welcome Kristen. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. So uh, what does Scalehouse do? We are a growth strategy and M&A advisory firm. So um, we're both a combination of serial entrepreneurs and investment bankers that work with uh, founders, uh, private equity firms, family offices to uh, either help scale their companies or uh, identify opportunities for, for M&A within their categories. And we work primarily within marketing tech and services uh, and emerging consumer packaged goods, which also includes cannabis. Okay. So if there was a private equity fund and a family office club that's really good at sourcing deals and negotiating deals and closing deals, you guys could help as almost like, um, like an operating partner to help, help scale things to the next level. Is that right? For sure. Yeah. Um, we work uh, both as, you know, short-term consultants to help integrate newly acquired companies and also as fractional, uh, you know, head of sales, head of marketing, head of finance, head of product. Okay, great. So then single family offices, you know, sometimes act like private equity groups, I'm guessing. If they feel like, hey, can we pull off this direct investment strategy ourselves? Or should we just go through a fund? You know, obviously they could supplement with their own internal staff, but then work with a firm like yours to kind of de-risk missing some low-hanging fruit or some, some staffing changes maybe. For sure, yeah. And actually one of the partners in the firm, Mike Pisani, actually ran a family office before he, he, um, he started working with me at Scalehouse. So we've got a lot of family office experience. Um, I'm a founder myself, so I've scaled and sold three different firms to uh, private equity firms and, and one to a family office. So we've got a lot of firsthand experience in the field. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. That's great. Awesome. Well, I know that's a big issue, a big challenge for single family offices especially is uh, making sure that they're well-equipped enough staff-wise. So I can see the value there. So um, what is the kind of value add that's really made your firm successful to this point? It sounds like you've developed a pretty good team and probably worked with a lot of clients. So what's been at the core of all that? Yeah, I mean, I think, of, you know, a lot of consulting firms or go strategy firms are run by people that haven't actually been in the trenches themselves. So, you know, the fact that we have serial entrepreneurs that have had successful exits, you know, myself included, the fact that Mike's actually worked and ran a family office before, uh, both Mike and I have our investment banking licenses. So we're licensed through Oberon Securities in New York. Uh, so we've actually run M&A transactions and continue to do so. Uh, hmm. I think that's a real differentiator for us. Yeah, for sure. Usually it's just a, um, you know, they've got a straight hourly rate or right. they came from KPMG forensic accounting due diligence or, you know, risk controls world and they're going to help analyze what's going on and do deep analysis. But it seems like you guys have real scaling experience. You know, most people haven't sold one company uh, to a private equity fund. So congrats on that. That's excellent. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. three. So yeah, I've got a good, re I've got a good record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that, you know, the, the differentiator for us is that we tend to go deep. You know, we don't really work on an hourly rate. We're on anywhere from three to 12 month contracts. I think my longest running one right now is about three and a half years that I've been working with the executive team and family office. So yeah, we, you know, we have a tendency to go deep and we're functional operators. That's the other difference. You know, we're not just going to do research analysis and then leave you to execute. We, you know, we work deeply, you know, with the, with the day-to-day -day teams uh, to make sure that the strategies that we've outlined can actually be implemented. That's right. a big weakness for a lot of folks. 
Yeah, it might change the recommendation if you have to implement it yourself. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, so what's the number one most overlooked activity you think when it comes to scaling a company? I'm sure some people listening here are trying to scale their own company and others are trying to decide whether they, they need your help or not. What, what do you, what's often overlooked? Well, no one's going to like this answer, but it's marketing. <laughs> Nobody, you know, I think that marketing is one of the, the most underutilized and misunderstood functions of company growth. Uh, we have a tendency, I think, to uh, discount the technical skill that's needed to market uh, in this environment. And, and so because of that, it's, you know, it's usually the lowest skilled person that goes into that role. You know, it's like, oh, you know, we've got this executive, like, where are we going to put them? Oh, let's make them the head of marketing, which is like the absolute wrong thing to do. Uh, or, you know, when budgets get caught, it's the first thing to go. And the truth of the matter is like marketing makes sales a thousand times easier. You know, marketing's whole role is lead generation and growth. So right. it's the, you know, when you don't have a good marketing engine, it makes the sale and scaling process infinitely harder. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I think the only reason that we exist has been my study, you know, people like Jay Abraham and Dan Kennedy, and I'm friends with uh, Joe Polish and Dean Jackson, and I've uh, studied a lot of direct response with Ogilvy and John Carlton and all those types of people. And I feel like nobody else in the family office space has really studied those things. And it makes my team's life easier uh, when you can reverse that complaint of, we don't have enough leads or we don't like having to call people cold to we have too many leads and it's overwhelming and we need to hire someone else. That that's the difference of having good marketing or not. Right. For sure. And that's the best possible scenario for any salesperson to, you know, to walk into. And I, I you know, I will say that most of the companies that I work with where we are implementing marketing strategies, they very rarely have to cold call if ever they, they usually have too many leads. So, and then, you know, that's, that's also the role of a good, you know, nurturing campaign. I'm also, I don't know if you've read any of Jonah Berger's books, but he's, mm -hmm. he's one of my favorites. He's a Wharton professor and he talks about the, a lot about influencers and, you know, how to make your product and service more, you know, appealing to influencers. And I think a lot of times too, we forget about how influential our existing clients can be and bringing new clients to the door. And right. so we kind of, you know, we really have a, have a two-pronged strategy when it comes to marketing, which is not only about demand generation, but how do we keep existing clients engaged and growing? Right, right. Yeah, totally uh, makes sense. I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, and I guess, what are some, uh, like, two or three pieces of advice you could leave us with for today when it comes to scaling a company, maybe especially during, you know, a pandemic or some sort of other challenging time? Yeah, it's, it's tough right now, for sure, for many folks. Um, you know, what I'm really encouraging companies to do is, like, really take a look at your product portfolio. And, and, and you know, if you need to, to pivot, pivot quickly. I think a lot of the mistakes that we see companies making that are struggling now are those that when the, you know, the pandemic hit, they kind of waited to see what was going to happen. And they didn't move fast enough. You know, they didn't furlough staff or they didn't um, they didn't look at their products and say, you know, maybe in three months, I'm not going to be able to have this product anymore. Or maybe we won't be able to do face-to-face -face sales. So the first is, you know, can't, you know, can, do you need to pivot and can you do it quickly and be decisive about it? So get out of the deer of the headlights phase. Um, the second, uh, for sure is, is, is marketing. 
you know, it's not a time to go silent. And I feel like the brands that are doing really well are the ones that keep communicating. And there's lots of inexpensive ways to, to do marketing. I, I think that many times we see that a lot of folks are very reliant on conferences and events. And those are really challenging um, these days. In fact, I just wrote a blog post yesterday about how to work in an online event, but we're all kind of having Zoom fatigue and um, online networking fatigue. And so how, you know, how can you make those connections more meaningful? Uh, and then lastly, you know, to the point that we were just talking about, it, it can be very, very hard, particularly if you're in a software or some kind of um, licensed vertical where you, you know, where you're trying to sell a recurring revenue product. It can be very challenging to bring new clients on right now because folks are really risk adverse and it's very hard for people to make behavioral change right now. And so I'm really, uh, you know, encouraging people to double down on their existing client communication. How can you grow existing client accounts um, and make those relationships more impactful and to grow those during this time if you're struggling to bring new clients in? Right, right. Makes sense. Yeah. And um, connected to everything you're saying, I found that when you have really good marketing and lead gen, then your salespeople who are A players are less likely to leave and they just appreciate it because they know their skills are best used actually selling, not trying to find someone to sell. And so it just maximizes their earnings and makes it less painful of an existence than maybe the last company they were with. So they tend to be more loyal through a challenging time when you're doing what you're saying, because otherwise you might lose revenue even more if you didn't do marketing. And you might also lose your A player salespeople that need to go somewhere where they can use their skill set, right? Absolutely. I think too, you know, people think that you have to spend a lot of money to market. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think, you know, for folks that have not been doing content marketing, yeah, there's a game of catch up that they have to do. And it takes, you know, you kind of have to balance short term strategies with long term strategies. So you might right. have to do some short term paid activities to market. But then ideally, you would have a content strategy that would be serving as a lead gen engine in the background. Right, right. Great. Awesome. Well, I could tell we could uh, talk for a while longer about this, but we're trying to make this a relatively short interview to give people an introduction to who you are and what Scalehouse does. So I know your website is uh, scalehouse.consulting. Um, is there anywhere else someone should go to get in touch with you or to talk about working with you directly? Yeah, I mean, that's the best, the best um, portal is our, is our website. And we've got a whole page on family office relationships and private equity firms, how we, you know, how we typically work with those folks. Um, and then, of course, you can reach out to us on LinkedIn. We've got a company page there and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Okay, great. Well, I'm sure that we'll have uh, some connections for you over time because we're always speaking to families uh, acquiring companies. And it seems like what you do is highly relevant and I get it. So appreciate your time here today. I'm happy to keep in touch. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Kristen. Take care. Okay.